Little did you know you are strong, smart, insightful, beautiful, hilarious, loyal, and loved. The podcast you need to navigate your 20s. Little did you know with Shelby Eastwood. end of May which is super fun and I really want to talk about something I want to uh, sorry (laughs) something I want to talk about first is did you guys see or hear about Taylor Swift's honorary doctorate degree from NYU so love Taylor Swift she's my girl and I'm super proud of her but the number the amount of hate and stuff that she got online for it was actually insane like so many people get honorary degrees and people don't bash them so why did people bash taylor swift's honorary degree that's my first thing second thing she looked so cute and she's actually hilarious and her little there's like i could go on for literally half an hour about um how much she supports others and how much she like makes fun of herself and some of the things like so there was so funny she, one of the things she had said was um when we were younger we question why can we eat salad but not grass and she's so right <laughs> like we do question that and it makes me giggle Another thing that she mentioned was, um, don't be ashamed of trying. And that's something that I'm super happy that she mentioned because growing up, I was always bullied for being smart and trying my best. And that followed me through high school and through university where I got to university and boys were telling me that, um, I was too intimidating because I was too smart and I worked too hard and I was too much of a hustler. And so apparently that's intimidating. And so the fact that Taylor Swift kind of like reinforced that in her NYU speech is super inspirational. And I know people are going to roll their eyes, but I really don't care. I just wanted to share that because I thought it was so great. And I was like, she's speaking to me and I wasn't even there. (laughs) Um, It's just crazy how famous people can do that to you, eh? Um, Yeah, but I wanted to just kind of slide that in there before we um, bring today's guest on just because... It's a little bit of a feel-good thing. It's a little bit different. I literally watched the whole 20-minute speech. Uh, I, I listened to it, actually, the first half of my commute to work the other day, and I, then I listened to the rest of it over my lunch because I just want... I needed to hear her. I needed to hear what she had to say and her words of wisdom, even though she literally said in her speech, I do not give unsolicited advice, but since NYU asked me to be here, I guess they asked for my unsolicited advice, and I giggled. It was funny. Um, but our guest is here and I'm super excited for you guys to, um, meet her and hear her, hear from her. She, um, is an intimacy coach and I'm really excited to chat with her and I'm really excited for you guys to listen in as well. So she's in the waiting room. Let's go get her on. Gretchen, how are you? Good. Good. Thank, thanks for joining me today, taking time out of your day. Um, where are you anyway? I always like to know where people, everyone is. Yeah, totally. I'm in Seattle, Washington. Oh, uh, okay. So you're three hours behind me then, I think. Seven, six, five, yep. four. Yeah, so it's 4, p- yeah. 4 p.m. 4 p.m.-ish there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you were mentioning before we uh, we started here that it it's normally rainy and like wet and stuff there and it looks gorgeous from where you are so <laughs> we are having an unusually sunny beautiful day this time of year so. you can have some of the you can have some of the seven feet of snow we have up here <laughs> <laughs> no thank you yeah. we had about a week's worth of snow uh in january right after christmas yeah. which is unusual and yeah you that, guys, that was good i guess i Seattle, that's where Grey's Anatomy is. They don't have very much snow on TV there either, so that, that would make sense. <laughs> well, my partner moved uh, out here to move in with me in 2020, June of 2020, Yeah, and I had been telling him, you know, snow is just, it happens every once in a while, but it's not common at all, and we've had two major snowfalls since he's moved out. He's like, yeah, right, we never get snow here. That's every time. so like, funny. Well, 
That's so funny. I like how I just base where everybody is based on what I see on TV. <laughs> I'm like the small town Canadian girl. I'm like, I don't know where this is. I know it's somewhere over here and on TV. That's where it happens. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, I'm super excited, though, to have you on and you to share your expertise and and it's funny, you were mentioning before we started, you're like, what kind of terms can I use? And I had a good giggle. So whatever comes out of your mouth when we go, when we talk okay. today, it's just going to come. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm all for it. Um, so do you want to tell my listeners your story, what you're about, what you do, what motivated you to do what you do? Tell me everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you. Uh, so I am working as a sex and dating coach. Some people refer to me as an intimacy coach. Sometimes that's a little bit more approachable to folks. Um, but yeah, I help people figure out what their blocks are related to sex, dating, intimacy, how they're showing up in relationships so that they can be more themselves. Have, you know, if it's more frequent sex that they want or hotter sex or whatever it might be. Um, and this is a second career for me. Okay. So I worked for about 20 years in the international nonprofit field. I worked for large um, humanitarian relief and uh, response organizations, long-term development programming, that kind of thing. And uh, a number of years ago, I uh, took a little break from work. And prior to that, for all of my adulthood, like my teenage years, like first from earliest days of even thinking about dating <laughs> all the way through to my early 40s, I struggled mm-hmm. with with dating. Um, I'd never been in a long-term intimate relationship. I uh, had only had sex like five times before my early 40s. And I moved through the world convinced that I was unattractive. Mm-hmm. At times I called myself ugly. Aww. And that I was undesirable. Every once in a while, someone would fuck me. But that was all. Yeah. Never a second time. And I... That's hard for, like, your self-esteem. Huge, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was in that, like, I went into it with really low opinions about my body Mm -hmm. and about my being as a sexual person and I mean I just all of my dating efforts um were just series of rejections or perceived rejection right yeah and then uh in my early 40s I uh took a trip for a few weeks on my own to Mexico and I'd been in talk therapy for years trying to shift this thing Mm mm-hmm and never did. I, I got a lot of other great things out of talk therapy. Uh, I learned to actually feel my feelings, which I'd been socialized not to yeah. for the most yep. part, right? <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> um, to just hide away until I was over it, and then I could come back out and mm-hmm. be with people, right? So I learned some really important things around my feelings. I learned to say out loud, first to myself and then to someone else, my therapist, that I wanted to be in a long-term relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. I was raised, like the message I internalized was um, that made me vulnerable and that it was safest for me to move through the world and take care of myself on my own. Mm. That's the message I internalized. Yeah. But to even say that out loud was a huge body yeah. of work, right? Yeah. Um, but I could never, so I could do all of those things and admit and own that that's what I wanted for myself but I couldn't shift how I felt in my body. Yeah, it's like you know you want to do it, but you don't know, like, how to get there. And I talked about it all the time, and I talked about it from different angles. I cried about it. I tried dating in different ways, um, but nothing moved it. And it really felt like I had this one session with my therapist. He liked to draw on the whiteboard. He was a visual guy. (laughs) And he's like, all right, all right, all right. Describe yourself as you are right now. And so he drew a stick figure that was me little bubbles right um smart successful uh unwanted undesirable undateable unfuckable right yeah inept awkward at social stuff he's like all right who do you want to be what do you want for yourself and you're what over here and you know i said the words Mm -hmm. that i wanted for myself he's like all right so what is preventing you from getting from one to the other and i'm not a visual person i i think in words yeah 
But for this one time in my life, he asked me this question. I saw it clearly. I've never seen anything more clearly. I'm like, it's a wall. And he started to draw it. I'm like, no, no, no. It's fucking high. Like, you can't. <laughs> it goes through the clouds. You can't see where it ends. And then, like, and it's deep. It's deep into the earth. Mm-hmm. And he started to draw it, like, with little scraggles. I'm like, no, no, no. It's smooth. It's smooth like marble. There's no purchase on it. It was literally this vision of a wall that was insurmountable. You can dig under it. You can go over it. Wow. And it was way too thick. Yeah. And dense to go through. And it was just the truest expression of hopelessness mm-hmm. that I've ever had. And, you know, and moved on, kind of kept trying to chip away and work at it. And then I went on this vacation and he was, and he gave me an invitation. He said, you know, when you're on this vacation, I was going for three weeks. He said, just be open to what, don't assume what's possible or not. Just look around with eyes of possibility and be open. Mm-hmm. So I did. And for the most part, it was through, like, it was a great vacation, but when I tried to be open, it was largely really painful. (laughs) (laughs) And then in my, like, second or third to last night, I had a one-night stand with my kayaking guide. And I remember, like, I had this one-night stand. I spent the whole night with him. It was the first time I had had sex in at least eight years. And... I, um, and he had a whole routine. It was clear that what we did was like part of a script for him. But I'm like, you know, and I could see it coming and it was long. There was no rush. It was like, we had lots of space around it. Um, and I saw it coming, but I'm like, you know what? I don't, it's fine. Yeah. And at first the part of the email, I'm like, that's not where it's going because there was no chemistry between us. There's yeah. no actual attraction. Yeah. So Anyway, he eventually, like, it had this whole script. I saw it coming, and each step of the way, I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I want it. I want the touch. Mm -hmm. I'm not attracted to him, but he's offering me touch. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And then he spent a long time doing a lot of things. He never asked me what I wanted. Um, But he did a lot of things that I had fantasized about. And there were times when I felt some pleasure but I came nowhere near to orgasm. I was flipping between feeling the pleasure and being self-critical mm-hmm. about myself in the moment because I was silent. I hardly moved. I wasn't frozen from trauma. I was literally just like, it's been so long. I don't know how to be mm. sexual. Yeah. And he never asked me. He didn't actually need anything from me, supposed, seemingly. So I just went with it and I got back to my apartment the next day and I walked in the door and I just started crying because while I got touched, which I wanted, while I did what I, like I wanted to be there, I didn't actually, I was, I had no power in it other than the choice to be present, which Mm -hmm. I did make, Mm -hmm. but otherwise I never really touched him. I didn't explore my own pleasure. Yeah. I didn't voice what I wanted or didn't want. Right? Yeah. Um, and I just had so much sadness about that. And I it's also like all say, those, you know, it's like all those other pieces weren't there. Right. Yeah. Like it was it was sex, but I wasn't a full participant. Mm-hmm. I had no agency in it other than I mean, if I had said no, I have no worries that it would not have been a problem. Like, that wasn't why I did it. I wanted to have sex. It had been so fucking long. But I didn't know, like, he didn't ask me what I wanted. And I also realized it's just as well because I wouldn't have known what to say. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Um, And I had this idea stuck in my head that there might be something wrong with me because he did something, a lot of things that I actually fantasize a lot about. But I came nowhere near orgasm. So I'm like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, you're like, how come I'm not feeling this? Right. Yeah. So I cried for a bunch, which I got from my talk therapy. I learned how to do that. <laughs> feel the feeling. But I didn't hide from them. It was huge. That's good. I'm proud of you. <laughs> no, I mean, that was for me, like, that was a huge step. And when I got through the biggest emoting of the stuff, I pulled out my phone and I Googled female failure to orgasm. 
like what the fuck is going on with me mm-hmm. and i just went down this rabbit hole of reading articles and hitting cross links and all the things google is so bad sometimes <laughs> i mean it is but it literally changed my life okay okay because what i came to at the end of that google session extensive <laughs> session was two resolute feelings within myself one had really nothing to do with google which was now is the time in my life i i, I ha- if i don't deal with this now hmm. in some bigger way i'm gonna be stuck in this pattern for the rest of my life yeah now the other thing which is what google gave me which was a window into a world of how to approach sexual healing that isn't talk therapy. Okay. I learned about a whole new set of, of, of modalities that are not talk therapy. And I knew deep in my being that that's what I needed. I am so smart. Talk therapy was going to work. Eight fucking years was long enough to get me there. Fair. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah. Yeah. So, like, absolutely. I've gone down many Google rabbit holes <laughs> that are not all life changing. Most of them are not. <laughs> and then you, so then you, how did your intimacy coach and relationship coach stem from that? So, I, I came back to Seattle, found someone to work with that took an alternative approach, did about five or six months of really deep work with him. Yeah. It changed my life, it changed how I felt. In my body, about my body, it, like, exponentially increased my knowledge about myself as a sexual being. And uh, I started dating, like, gangbusters. And somewhere along that line, I really did. I was just, like, I was on a sexual adventure. That's amazing. (laughs) It was great. Like, and all of a sudden, I didn't experience rejection in it, even when I was rejected. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It no longer had any deep meaning about me. It was just a, oh, I had some disappointment. Yeah. But it didn't mean anything about me. Yeah. Like you weren't like right. holding on to that after the fact. Right. Yeah. And so I, and somewhere along the way of this, of this journey, I started getting back into my own work. Like I started consulting in my old field and I realized in the middle of it, I no longer had passion for what I used to do. Hmm. All of my attention, everything I read and thought about would not, right, was on this. And so eventually I just like, and it ends up I'm a really shitty employee when I don't feel personally and passionately connected to what I'm doing. That's fair. And it was not sustainable. It was not going to be sustainable. And someone suggested me being a dating coach because I was all of a sudden like, I was going like rock, like a rock star with it. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I thought about it and I realized that for me, I, I loved the idea and I can't separate it from looking at and supporting people on how they feel about themselves as a sexual being. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that does got it, me off the journey. Does it kind of like you talking about sex and intimacy and all that stuff, does it sometimes trigger you from like things that happened in the past or like because you talk about it like so well and openly and like good and like I just wonder because like sometimes for me I know when I talk about like anxiety and depression with my students it sometimes mm-hmm. triggers with me so I have to kind of watch that a little bit but mm. like with you like how how are you able to do it so openly like that uh partly I think through spending so much time talking about it mm, fair right? yeah um it took me when I first came back from my trip and had my first therapy session near the, and we kind of debriefed the trip and I talked about everything but the one night stand and my realization. Yeah. And right near the end, I said, there's something else. I can't talk about it right now, but I don't want you to let me let this go. Mm. And it took me, and I had been seeing him for years and I was so comfortable with him, but it took me weeks Yeah. to be able to talk about it because it felt so weird, awkward. I was embarrassed. Yeah. I had shame, all the things. Um, but now, I like, I, the work I did, I so thoroughly connected to a sense of rightness about myself. And, like, I still struggle at times. Like, yeah. libido sometimes and all the things, like, awkward conversations, awkward moments. <laughs> but I have no shame around it yeah. anymore. 
No, that's yeah. so good. That's awesome. Um, and how have people like in your community been receptive to it? Like, do you have lots of clients? Like, or have people like? So people have been super supportive. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's I awesome. went on this journey and made the shift in my forties. Yeah. So like. Uh, for, for a while, I separated my world, and I'm originally from Kentucky, here in the States, yeah. and um, uh, so I kind of made sure they couldn't see what I was posting, Yeah, yeah. but I've eventually let that go and stepped into it, and people have been really very supportive. That's, yeah. a, that's so good, because I know, like, I know especially, too, like, when you start to come up with, like, not come up with, like, new ideas, but, like, you start to, like, change a little bit who you are, some people can just be, like chatty about it and that can kind of like derail you at times too so I'm, I'm good that you didn't ex- I'm happy that you didn't experience that which is awesome if they were chatty about it I haven't heard the chatter well knock on wood that you don't <laughs> the other thing as I started telling people in my world about this and this was before I decided to do this work it was mm. when I was doing my own work with an intimacy coach I first did the work a while for a while without telling anyone because mm-hmm. I just needed to be yeah. met without any naysayers yeah. or doubt. Yeah. And then when I told people, I was so sure of my path that I it, it sort of left no room. It like didn't matter what people had to say. Yeah. Yeah, and That's I didn't awesome. ask for their opinion. True. Yeah. I didn't ask if they thought this was weird or should I do this? Should I keep doing it? I didn't ask. Yeah. And I, yeah, and That's I was really awesome. blocked. By the acceptance. That's awesome. What are some, I'm curious because like as I was kind of browsing your your pages and stuff prior to (laughs) us meeting, there was one that you're, um, something that I noticed and you talked about uh, myths that sex, uh, myths about sex, dating, and intimacy that a lot of clients that you have struggle with. What are some examples? Can you share some? Yeah. So, I mean, the myth that, um, well, first of all, the myth of the one. Okay. Like the soulmate myth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some elements of it that are beautiful, but the way that we act it out, it can be really problematic. Okay, fair. Right? And so part of that is, if this is really my person, they should just know what to do. True. I shouldn't have to ask or tell them what I want or need or need in sex. They should just get me. And that's how I know they're met for me or I, we're met for each other. People can't read your mind. So they can't read your mind. Yep. And here's the thing in the first part of a relationship, that's when the sex is most naturally easiest, easily the hottest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons for that that we can go into, but there's lots of reasons eventually. And what time frame that is, is going to vary by individual like couples, but for all couples, eventually, that's going to die, die on its own. That natural coming together and having super hot chemistry, like, right, when mm-hmm. you have that with someone, that will eventually, if you stay together and you're in the day-to-day together, that's eventually going to wane. Mm-hmm. And one of the most destructive myths is the belief that that means that person is no longer right for us. Okay. That they're fundamentally flawed mm-hmm. for me. Now, they could be for lots of other reasons. Yes. Yeah. But the sex waning doesn't mean anything other than you're through that fun period. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that makes and sense. And then you kind of got to talk about it. You got to prioritize space and time for it. Yeah. You got to put a little work into yeah. it. Yeah. Make the effort. Yeah. And yeah. that the need to make the effort means nothing more than you're committed to this relationship. Yeah. Because that's what everyone who has long-term passionate connections with their partners do. That makes sense. What's, yeah. uh, this is going to be totally off topic, but as you were talking, it reminded me of this. Do you watch The Bachelor? You know, I did years ago. Okay, so something crazy happened. It was, like, uh, overnights, you know, like, when they do, like, their overnight thing oh, sure, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, the overnight episode was last night, and the way he, like, blew up on the girl, because, like, one of the finalist girls, she was like, well, if you slept with, like, the other two girls, like, I don't think we could get engaged next week, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like well, yeah, I'm in love with them and I slept with them too, but, like, I don't see what your problem is. And so I was going to ask you about that, but you hadn't, hasn't, haven't watched it, so. <laughs> well, but, 
but I mean, I can totally imagine that dynamic. It was right? just, I was just like, and like, it's funny because I was talking to my friends with it today and some of them are, I'm like, how can he t- say that to her? Like, how could he like talk about like, just, and then he's like, well, I love you the most. And I'm just like, what? And then some of my other friends are like, well, that's what she should have expected. Like she's, she's on the bachelor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, but, but you can't say that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I mean... What is your take? Like, you basically got the gist. What's your take on that? I mean, I'm not going to speculate as to what's going on for that dude. (laughs) Because, yeah. That said, um, you (laughs) you can genuinely be attracted to and feel love towards multiple people. I agree with that. I agree with that. I just, right. I just don't like the way he went across with it to her. And was like, well, I, I love you the most. I should be able to sleep with them, though, too. I was like, what? I mean, here's the thing. I, so I am non-monogamous. I view non-monogamy as a legitimate relationship choice. Mm-hmm. It is a choice, mm-hmm. however. And the conversation he needs to have mm. with her is around whether or not she is comfortable with being non-monogamous mm-hmm. and then they have a conversation about what that looks like yeah what the parameters are and how they're going to navigate it to maintain their individual connection yeah through it. that's a that's a smart that's a that's a hmm, this is why you're an that's expert a at this right? <laughs> right like i'm gonna put bachelor aside for a moment on that um and he kind of sounds like a dude who's just trying to get laid and maybe insane what he thinks she might need to hear to, to keep the or to keep the show going to keep her in it to keep the suspense going who knows who knows but it was just great drum dramatic tv and it's reminding me of, of what you were talking about so <laughs> okay i got i got something else for you so sometimes i've maybe in my personal life maybe in my friends personal lives maybe in people i've heard about personal lives um I know there's sometimes there's situations where like you could be in the mood or not in the mood and your partner is or vice versa. Like, how do you not take that personally when situations like that arise? So, um, first of all, just for like, I've experienced it. Everyone mm-hmm. I know yeah. to some degree or another has experienced it at some point. And it is so common to take it personally. Like we're, so as human beings, we're meaning makers. Mm-hmm. We're constantly making meaning out of what happens in our life, right? And most of us, I'm not going to say everyone because there's always exceptions, but most of us are wired to interpret something mm-hmm. as being personal about us. Yeah. And we project onto dynamics our, inter- our own fears and wounds and make meaning from that perspective, right? Though. Mm-hmm. So, the first thing is to just give yourself, whoever it is, lots of grace and compassion, right? Because of course you take it personally. Asking for sex, putting that out there, even when it's with someone you've been with for mm-hmm. a long that's what it is. It, it's still a vulnerable position you're putting yourself in. True. And hearing the no is hard, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's the first step is sort of like letting yourself feel what you feel around it and making that okay like not making yourself wrong for taking it personally okay the second step is that awareness around the like oh wait a minute there's two ways to go with this one is an empathy approach sometimes i'm not in the mood why have i not been in the mood in the past true right yeah okay sometimes i'm just fucking tired yeah (laughs) her parents parents out there i'm touched out maybe with all the grubby little hands on me maybe i don't want any more hands on me yeah Who knows? fair right lots of reasons why people aren't interested in a given moment so can i can i kind of put myself in that place right yeah. and then honestly if you're pet like you're but through that and then you're like but I just it keeps happening and i keep i can't help but think there is something like, all right, pandemic. And I'm speaking for myself in this moment. <laughs> I put on some weight, right? Yeah. Like, I, is it, is it? You're, uh, you're gorgeous. Now? I would never have known. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. But like, this is, it's not a logical thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fears. This is what we yeah. do. So this is the point where communication comes in super fucking handy. 
and being able to go to your partner from that place of vulnerability and saying, Hey, it's okay that you're not feeling it right now. I've been there too. I just, I'm caught in this story right now that it's, it's because you're not attracted to me anymore. And just being open like that. Yeah. 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 I think too, like if you go at it from, like you said, a more vulnerable path instead of like, like going that way, but like blaming the person as you're doing it. Does that make sense? Like you have to go the right path in order to kind of get that response back and just be like no no like it's literally just because i'm tired or what have you right Mm -hmm. and they also know what to say to you Mm -hmm. to help you in this moment like holy fuck no i think you're gorgeous yeah yeah you're like please just come cuddle (laughs) right yeah right or whatever it is but that path right there is is the most important path to relationship communications that's hard. As much as possible. It's super fucking hard. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> so hard. Right? It takes practice. It takes awareness. Yep. Um, Patience. When you can do it. It's why, like, um, you know, relationship advice that you had in that quite set of questions, like, what's the relationship advice you've gotten? And what I thought about first was what I think is not a great piece of relationship advice, which is never go to bed angry. You don't think that's a good piece of relationship advice? I think it's more, I think it doesn't, it's not to go to bed angry. Like the, the, my advice isn't the opposite of it. Right. But the problem is when we think about never go to bed angry. Yeah. What we can do with that, that advice is then to blow past our own nervous system and our own needs in an argument in a given moment so that we can get to a point where it feels okay to go to bed. Yeah. But the but to have a vulnerable conversation when you've been in an argument or a fight or a disconnect with your partner, you have to get back towards some degree of safety and groundedness. Fair. Yes, I agree. And people move at different paces and need different things to get back to that point. I agree. I, my boyfriend's the same way. Sometimes when I'm mad, like, I can't go to sleep if I'm angry. I'll, like, sit here and stew and he'll be like, let's just talk about it tomorrow. I'm like, no, I want to talk about it now. <laughs> I'm the same way, right? Like, I'm the same way. But what I've learned to do, and this is very typical, like, yeah. these are different attachment styles and ways of showing up when there's tension or disconnect in a relationship. Well, what I've learned, because my, my, I'm the same way, like, I have a, like, almost manic need to address it immediately. Same, same. Or unless, I'm unless, I, unless I'm at fault and then I need, like, an hour. <laughs> but if I for me with whether I'm at fault yeah. or not because usually it's like we're both a little bit at fault yeah now, right yeah fair um but and my partner needs the space but what I've learned is that if I can say hey I need to like not ignore this I know you need space if we say we're gonna talk about this tomorrow at like 10 or 11 and I need to hear you tell me you love me, mm. even though we're really pissed at each other right mm. now. And you can still right? you can still go to bed okay with that. Yeah, I can. And if I can touch him, okay, yeah, me, if yeah, I yeah. Can touch him and yeah. be like, we still have this thing, and I can't. And my partner often wants to just he wants the space so that he can kind of deal with it on his own and get over it, mm. and then move on. Yeah. And I have like had to help him understand for me that creates distance like yeah. I can give it space yeah but I can't ever completely let it go without some coming together back together around I agree that. I'm the same way as you yeah right so I can say but the, the difference is and where this has helped me in the conversations that we have around it is when I try and force us to have it before going to bed I'm still fucking activated yeah true and the higher we're activated the more jacked up our nervous systems are our prefrontal cortex goes offline Mm -hmm. and we are acting on instinct yeah and usually that instinct has at its core a need to feel safe and protect ourselves i agree (laughs) you're like hitting me hard i'm like yep 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 that's me we all do it we all do it right yeah that's crazy and so if you can give space whether that's before going to bed like 
still before going to bed or the next day where it's not just to go to bed to go to bed or to give the space but so that your bodies can be reminded that you're you actually are safe yeah no that's that's true that's true because like when I get into that space like the anxiety goes insane and it'll just spiral into like a anxiety attack so I get that and so with my clients who are who who experience that and I do to a degree as well Mm -hmm. it's what what do you need in the moment to feel safe in the connection even while the issue isn't yet repaired I I agree with what you said like even if like we're both still mad and I can just lay here and like just like reach over and just touch his arm I'm okay I agree with you right like it's it's not a we're not ignoring it yeah I just like we can co-regulate each other through touch yeah and if I hear you still love me because my brain is like, nope, like, nope, he doesn't. Side, my brain is convinced this is the end. Yeah. This is the beginning of the end. Yeah. As illogical and irrational as that is. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if that's your. Not my, probably my least favorite. Yeah, so what's your, so what's your, so what's your that. best, what's your best one then? <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I think it's, oh gosh. <laughs> This is harder because I'm like, I don't, I don't know, think in, t- in terms of advice. Um, hmm. Or like something that's, I guess that's helped you more so. Um, so it's two things. I mean, one is kind of what I already shared, which yeah. is learning to recognize where you're at, like your nervous system is at, how yeah. activated and be aware that like, that's not the moment to keep having that conversation. I need to work on that. I need to work on that. Is around, um, like a reframe on boundaries, on asking for what you want or need, whether it's in relationship or in bed, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Those often felt burdensome mm. to me. So they would they would either like with boundaries I could do, but I would be somewhat semi aggressive. Yeah in it I would come at it from a defensive mode because I was anticipating the 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 disappointment and the rejection stuff yeah and then I just didn't bother asking for what I wanted or my needs but some one of my teachers said that's how we teach people how to love us by asking for what you need by giving our boundaries by voicing our boundaries in the moment when we know them at any point by asking for how we like to be touched what we want what we need yeah because it goes back to it goes back to what we were saying earlier like people can't read each other's minds so like you would never know yeah and i'm basically saying to you you matter to me i'm telling you i'm giving you the keys Mm. to my to me yeah to how to get into my heart yeah because if you didn't care you wouldn't tell them i wouldn't tell them i would not bother because it's fucking hard yeah 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 well that's a good one that's a right? that's a good deep one. <laughs> it's a good reframe. Like, it is. Just, I think about it often. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, okay, let's spin it this more. Let's spin this more. Not as deep. Let's spin me. Give me a <laughs> give me a fun side of your of your coaching. Um, how do you? What do you? What do you suggest to people to make dating fun again? Because sometimes, like, like you said, like you get into that rut. Like when you're talking about like the sex like dies after you've been with somebody for so long, and like even just like dating in general, like. It's funny, my boyfriend will say sometimes, like, we've been together almost two years now, and I'm like, you know, we can go on dates sometimes, you know? And he's like, no, we've already been dating for, like, two years. And I'm like, so? Like, we just tease each other, but, like, I know for couples, like, that's a real issue, you know what I mean? So, like, how do you yeah. even, how do you keep that fun still going? Uh, oh, so that's a fun spin on the conversation. <laughs> I often have that conversation from the perspective of folks who are dating to meet people, right? And it can feel like a slog, date after date, person yeah. person. Um, but this one's fun, uh, too. So what pops into my head is, um, you know, when we were first dating, someone initiates the date yeah. and takes point on organizing, right? Mm-hmm. Too often, if you're heterosexual, um, and you're in a heterosexual dynamic, too often that responsibility feels on the part of the dude. Um, but especially for long-term relationships, if you could, like, trade off. I was like, in my brain, I'm like, I've planned more dates than he has. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the difference. Like, when you're first joining out. True. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes, yes, you're right. expected. You're right. To yeah. maintain things in long-term relationships, so much of the relationship maintenance falls on the woman. Okay, I agree. Yeah, I agree. 
So that's why. But if you could have a conversation around it and say, this is investing in us and maintaining our connection, we're going to trade off. Mm. So partly it's the having someone take the effort. Yeah. To plan something. They don't want to be elaborate. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. The, the rest of the advice I think really holds like, what are some things that you know you love to do, but you don't make enough time for? Mm-hmm. Build a date around that. Right. And in this case, like when we're making earlier on in dating, in relationships, we're often planning dates to kind of woo the person. True. Yeah. And, and you can still do that in a longer term thing. Yeah. Or it could be a way to expose your partner to one of your interests and get their involvement mm-hmm. in it for a little bit. Like, here's something I love to do. Come along with me. Let me show you why I love this. Yeah. Then you do that for you. like. To or have even do something, like, new together that you both haven't done. And, like, to that invest. That, actually. Yeah. And a little tip. Um, if your sexual connection is kind of, eh, it's there, it's, but it's, you know, we mm-hmm. could, we could certainly oomph it up. Um, one of the ways you can do that is by doing new things together, particularly if there's even a little bit of... Oh, like in bed, you mean? No, no, no. I oh. mean, well, story bed, but actually, no, the dates. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Something new. Yeah. Where you're having to figure it out. Maybe there's a little bit of um, danger or like, or an adrenaline rush involved. Mm-hmm. That creates that that can create some really fun dynamics. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because that can translate into the bedroom afterwards. Right. Yes. That helps the juices get flowing, literally. Yeah. Right, because a sexual turn on is just a it's just a somatic turn on. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an activation cycle with an erotic twist to it. Part of the challenge sometimes is just letting our bodies come back on right and really feeling them and so if we do something new and it has a little bit of a twist to it like it's you know maybe it's a roller coaster or i don't know i'm gonna come up with really lame stupid ideas that's okay when you were talking about like risk and stuff i was thinking of an escape room so that's like an escape room (laughs) actually that was really like yeah and i've never been on one i need to do sometimes they're really fun you should try it yeah right so you're like collaborating yeah there's a little uncertainty yeah 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 yeah. That's awesome. So honestly, it's find, tag the dates to something that you actually like doing, mm-hmm. right? That you want to do that maybe you don't do often enough or try. Like I love to try new restaurants and new mm-hmm. bars. Yeah. So dates for me would often be around that. Um, find something that you're curious about. Bring curiosity into the mix. In early dating, it's usually curiosity about people. Yeah. The other person. But then the, if you're doing something neither of you have ever done, you've got curiosity about the thing. True. Right? Yeah. Um, and remove attachment to an expected outcome from the date. Mm. Right? This yep. goes awry. Planned dates go awry when we see it as a pathway just to get laid or just to do it right. Yep. Yep. That's happened. I did that in the past. I'm better at that now, but in the past I used to do that. 100%. I'd be yeah. like, this wasn't as good as I thought it would be, blah, blah, blah. And then they were right. like, they were like, if you went in with that expectation, why did we even go? And it turned into a thing when in the past. I don't do that anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's yeah, a lot. Of, we all do it. At yeah, some point. yeah. You definitely learned that lesson. Um, I got a couple more for you before I let you go. Um, okay. There was one thing you were talking about um, improving people's relationship skills. Like, do you mean like more so like communication? Like, what's how is a relationship skill different than like communication and like empathy and and trust and all that stuff like how is what's the difference right so effectively they're the same skills okay the difference is that um how we communicate Mm -hmm. in real in intimate relationships like the the vulnerability that's naturally attached to intimate relationships can be a constraint in how we show up okay so other you know it's it's how do you lead from vulnerability, not from the, like, self-defensive mechanisms. Yeah. Um, empathy is a huge skill. I mean, it, it helps us in all areas of our life, um, but it's often, sadly, not as present Yeah. in intimate relationships because we're so in our, like, protective, what does this mean about me yeah. mode, right? Yeah. Um, then there's like, I mean, there's seduction skills, like 
if you're, I talk to a lot, work with a lot of people who have a libido mismatch. Okay. Or in a period of libido mismatch. Yeah. Um, so there's skills around how you navigate that without chasing or pressuring um, or without like and giving space to any feelings of that for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That that one's I've never heard of this. Oh, I guess it, like that makes sense. I just never thought of it that way. Like seduction skills. True. That's fair. <laughs> I'm and thinking some of the skills are around like understanding our own patterns. Okay. And how they affect us in relationship. Like where where my what are my deepest wounds? Oh, like from like wound? past like past stuff. Well, like so we all move through the world. We've all been we all have wounds. Yeah. Right. We all come with our baggage. We all come with our shit. Because <laughs> we're humans. That's yep. just like. And it influ- And so we all have different patterns of how we move through the world. So I'll give an example. I'll just talk about myself and with the example. So I am classically, I under-depend on people. I basically learned over years, and I could unpack it to figure out why or not the end of the day doesn't really matter why the fact of the matter is when I'm under resource, when I'm stressed, when I'm hurting, I go inward. I don't know how to ask for help. I don't know how to hear help when it's being offered. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of my relationship skills is to understand that pattern, understand what it feels like in my body when I'm operating from that pattern mm-hmm. and practice how to step forward and ask for help. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So that becomes a relationship skill for me. Someone else is going to be over-dependent. They're always looking, without even realizing it, for someone else Yeah. to do. And they can't necessarily articulate what they need or how they need it, but they just instinctively need the other person to know and to do. Yeah. And then they're constantly hurt and panicking or angry when it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So their relationship skill is also to understand that pattern, what it feels like in their body when they're in it and how to start to give voice to what they need in a different way. I like that. Or to give space and understand. Yeah. It's not that they're being abandoned or whatever it might be for them. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. I like that. Cause it's like people talk about when you talk about relationships, like people talk about communication all the time and that's like the main thing everybody talks about, but like you kind of, Yes, that's important, but you kind of also, like, bring light to other things, too, that we don't talk about as much or give, like, the title to, which I think is still important. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. There's skills, like, around yeah. that. Like, that's, you know, understanding yourself and how it influences how you show up in relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, one more for you. If you – I like to ask – all my listeners, this or listeners, guests. Wow, <laughs> that was a. <laughs> it's late here, okay. <laughs> um, I like to ask all my guests this at the end. Um, there's a reasoning behind why I ask everybody. Sure. So um, I am writing a book, and people laugh at me sometimes because I'm only 27, and they're like, no, what, do you, "What do you? What do you have to write a book about? You're only 27." I'm like, "Don't care. I'm doing it anyway." And Yay. at the end of every chapter, I write a piece, like a paragraph of advice I wish I had told myself in that moment so it's mostly based on like my early 20s and so like that piece of advice uh coincides with like the theme of the chapter per se so i like to ask all my guests if they could go back and tell their 20 year old self anything what would you tell her and why yeah um i mean it's so hard many, <laughs> right like when i was writing it like my own ones i was like tearing up i was like ouch like this is hard to say <laughs> right yeah and, and partly i'm also stuck on that i don't know that my 20 year old self would listen <laughs> also <but> true <laughs> it's like the 20 something like anywhere in your 20s <laughs> yeah yeah somewhere in my 20s um i would say uh oof yeah You are so far worthier than you realize. Aww. And that it's not, it doesn't matter how smart or successful you are. That's nice. But at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter at all. The people who love you, love you regardless. That's true. I, 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 I hear that one. Yeah. 
that and you're really fucking sexy. Like, <laughs> yes. Enjoy, yeah. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you're not as smart as you think you are about understanding the data on that point. Like, no, you're blind to yourself. <laughs> Oh, that's what I'd say. That's awesome. That's so good. Um, where can my listeners find you? Yeah. So, I mean, my website is just my first and last name.com Gretchen Shanks.com. Awesome. Um, and I have a freebie on my website. If anyone's wanting to do some sexual adventuring, but they're like, where the fuck do I start? How do I even get going on this? I have a yes, no, maybe che- uh, checklist. Cool. Uh, for adventuring and right now in it it's got a, a discount code for my latest offering that i'm in the middle of launching awesome. so check that out Good. it's at gretchenshanks.com forward slash checklist uh social medias anything oh social medias yeah i'm on facebook and instagram my handle is the same as gretchen dot period or gretchen period shanks perfect awesome i think i can't remember if i shot you shoot shot shoot ah shot you a follow but i will make sure i do that because i want to be able to keep in touch and yeah, and be able to share the things that that you're putting out there i know you're all the way in seattle and like a million kilometers you guys go by miles but a million kilometers away from me <laughs> so, but i don't care i want to share it anyway because i think it's really important what you're doing and thanks yeah and uh, i do most yeah. of my thanks to the pandemic i used to do only in-person work and mm. i had to pivot yeah so Oh, that's like the key percent over zoom that's like our key word is teaching <laughs> pivot pivot right i all, hear that oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> but i appreciate your vulnerability and sharing yeah. your story and like showing what you do and your positivity and you're you're very funny so i also appreciate that <laughs> thanks this is a fun conversation it was it was and we're gonna keep in touch all right lovely all right Yay. thank you gretchen <laughs> that's an episode (laughs) that's all i got talking about sex and intimacy makes me all sweaty so i'm gonna go have a glass of wine and we'll see y'all next week bye